Tom and Mike. Tommy boy. Michael. You know, speaking of Tommy boy, I never asked you this. When you were a young kid, run around those fields outside Winston-Salem in your bare feet, getting that tar on your... Why do they call it tar, any, tar Heel State anyway? Just for that reason right there. Oh, really? Yeah, we go barefoot in the South, and especially in the summer. And there's tars? For, because well, you know, when they're tarring the roads and everything, those prisoners are out there <laughs> in their orange jackets. <laughs> okay, so when you're out there as a little kid, or not even a little kid, but in your grade school days, did they call you Tom, Tommy, T, Truckin' Tom? What did they call you? Well, see, here's what people don't know about me, okay? I can't tell you my real last name. No, no, but I'm talking about your first name. Did they call you Tommy, Tom, T? No, Thomas? that's what I'm trying to get to. Okay, go ahead. In the South, see, Tom Kent, Kent is my middle name. Right. Okay, you don't know my real last name. because yes, I, I don't, do. Well, okay, maybe you do, <laughs> but, you know, the general public doesn't because I don't want people trying to find me. And Let's just say it's the name of a fine wine. I like that. So... <laughs> Tom Kent, and then my last name. In the South, you're known by your middle name. I don't know why that is, so people call me Kent. It was like, you know, deep Southern accent. Kent, you better go to bed. Mama's going to spank your behind with a switch. She's going to give you a switching. But your buddies <laughs> called you Kent, too? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. In your middle school? name is what you're known, and you go by, generally speaking, not your first name. Well, so I didn't really become young Thomas until I went on the radio. And I right. was young. I was only 15. But you've remained young Thomas through the years, haven't you? I how have. Do you, how do you do that? Is that It's pre- amazing. It's what well, it comes out of a bottle, right? A bottle? Grecian formula? <laughs> yeah, right. You would never use that stuff. Never. Never. No. That's, you know, Paul McCartney's finally looking good because he stopped doing that thing. Remember when he had You know, he's got a new song. Have you heard it? No. It's called I Want to F You. Get out of here. I swear. That's the name of the song. And what's the Turn on the Google machine and check it out. He is cray cray. And actually, it's cool sounding song, but I want to F you. He's trying to be hip. He's trying to stick with the millennials like you always tell me. Well, we're slightly out of that demo. Right. But we're trying to speak their language. We're hoping that they like us. What's wrong with getting everybody, Thomas? You know, that's a nice concept, but in reality, broadcasting really isn't so broad. It's more narrow. I'd love to have everybody listening because, you know, entertainment is entertainment. That's right. right. That's, that's my philosophy. The way radio works is, you know, you got demographic breakdowns, that whole thing. Well, plus you have to play the things that uh, you're told to play, right? No, I play whatever the hell I want to play. Then you play that Paul McCartney song, baby. Now, I'm not going to play that. <laughs> it's really a bad song. I mean, in some ways, it's a good song. But, I mean, I want to F you. Come it on. Can't, it can't be any worse than the stuff he did with Wings. You weren't a McCartney oh, fan, I take I it. I took a gun to my head when I used to hear that Admiral Halsey or whatever it was. Doot, 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 whatever it went. <laughs> Tom and Mike. There's an interesting phenomenon over the years, and it probably goes right up till today. And you have to answer me this because you are the Mr. Music Man. Why do so many siblings in bands not get along and it breaks up their bands. It goes way back to those great bands like the Kinks with Ray Davies and his brother Dave. Creedence Clearwater with John Fogarty and his brother. Counting Crows ended. Oasis ended. I even watched a documentary It's Not Just Men. Remember the Lennon sisters? Okay, stop it. They used to fight like cats and dogs. Ed no, Sullivan had to break I don't them remember up. that. I saw it on a documentary once. Okay. But why do you think that happens, Thomas? 
Can't we all just get along? We can, but see, here's the problem with a sibling. Right. It's like I'm estranged from my two older sisters because of politics. And anything that you hold near and dear to your heart, like politics, religion, music, okay? People are very passionate about their music. I mean, how much crap have you given me over the years for liking, okay? Christopher Cross. Okay, yeah, exactly. But we don't fight about it too much. No. But siblings are much closer. Their beliefs are much closer to their heart. And I just believe that it's very easy to become estranged with a sibling based on your passions that are very important to you. And music, obviously, if you're in a band, a successful band, music is like your life, right? Yeah, but you know what? I think it's not it's just more- your livelihood. It's your life. Yeah, but... It's got to be something stronger than that because these guys are making great money. And to m- mess with that, I think it has to do with one of the brothers or sisters in the band becomes more popular. They become more dominant. Ego. Yeah. 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 That's the other thing. Right. right. Creative differences, ego, but it gets intensified if you have a blood relative right there next to you. Right. Right. Or sometimes you're just like a jerk, like the Jacksons. They hated that Tito. Everybody hated Tito. Remember? Tom and Mike. Do you have a man cave, Thomas? I guess some people might think I have a man cave, but I don't really consider it that. Uh, You know, the funny thing is my man cave is my radio studio. You know, it's really laid out. You've seen my radio studio. Okay. But it's a man cave is supposed to be that place where you go, you escape from work. See, I escape from my man cave because... That's where I work. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I have a tendency to go to other parts of the house. But if you were just like an average guy and you were going to put a man cave together, what do you think would be in that man cave that would make it a good man cave? Great sound system, great TV, great... Mini bar? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A back door for the chicks to come in? You know, you are sometimes (laughs) absolutely brilliant, my friend. Yeah. (laughs) That's a, that's a good man cave. You know, I think any man who refers to his man cave should not be allowed outside of it. That's my philosophy. What about a girl cave? <laughs> a girl cave? Yeah. What's wrong with that? I don't think. Well, we started it. Let them come up with their own idea. They want to get away from the guys, too. You know what you call a girl cave? What? The kitchen. The kitchen. That's right, baby. That's where they do all their good work. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> right? <laughs> you, you know, it's nice to... It's nice to know that we've come so far. You're not calling me a Neanderthal, are you? No. No. Why would I do that? No. My man cave is wherever I put my little tushy in front of a TV Wherever you put your big man arse. That's right, baby. Tom and Mike. You know, Thomas, the other day I was thinking about, I'm getting older. I'm not that old, but I'm getting up there. I'm, you know. You're slightly past 40. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, the millennial generation cuts off at 39, right. but they're going to be 40 next year. So and I, and you're not I, that far away. Right. And as I walk the streets and I watch TV and I observe human condition, I'm saying, did I miss something? Because I look at my skin when I get out of the shower sometimes and I say, I don't have a tattoo on my body. Now, Thomas, I've seen your body. You don't have a tattoo either, do you? You haven't seen my entire body. Well, that's right. I, there was swim trunks. You're on making it. some <laughs> assumptions here. Now, did we miss something in our lives, or are we just? I never had any interest. You know, tattoos are either you love them or you hate them. I don't think there's too much in between. 
I'm kind of a hater for myself personally because I look at it as, you know, piercing and tattoos are a permanent kind of degradation of one's body. And I think the body is the temple. So that's just me. But, you know, I don't condemn anybody that has tattoos or piercings. Now, if you pierce your body, it never grows back if you take that thing out? Well, I would think, you know, if you put a big hole in your nose, you Ugh. know, you might have trouble uh, growing that hole back. You know what I worry about? There, I mean, so many young women are getting tattoos these days and, you know, it looks great on them right now. But as they get older, you know, in their 60s and 70s and that little flower or a little dove that they got in their 20s when they were in 70s, they have those big old lady arms. They're going to turn into giant monsters, aren't they? Not the girls, the, the picture. Well, probably both. <laughs> Notice how my voice just went into puberty just then. Let me say, if you had to get a tattoo, if somebody you know, said it, this was the thing you had to do, if you had to get a tattoo, what would you get? What would I get? I would uh, do the George Costanza and have a tattoo placed that looked like a tail on the top part of my butt. You're kidding. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, I, I, I can't really think of any situation or any place I'd put a tattoo. What about you? Maybe if I had to get one, my upper shoulder, so I could still wear a shirt and they wouldn't see it. But that's what's silly when these guys get these tattoos, they put them on their upper shoulder. What are they hiding if they like it so much? Yeah, what is it with tattoos and NBA players? Forget that. It's NFL players, too. Yeah, I don't know, buddy. Or any athlete. I guess. We just missed it, pal. We missed it. We come back on another life. We're going to get all tatted up, okay? If I feel different in the next life, I'm right there with you. Tom and Mike. How many songs can you get to in one day, do you think, if you had to? Different songs. Different songs? Your radio library. How many songs do you think you have in that thing? Wow. Thousands. Okay. I have no idea. All right. So here's my question. Thomas, Kent, the Renaissance man, what, in your opinion, your humble opinion, is the greatest one-hit wonder of all time? The greatest one-hit wonder of all time. Let's define a one-hit wonder. It's a band that came on, right? Mm-hmm. Had one mega hit, and you never heard for these suckers again, did you? Right. Okay. All right. I got one for you. It's from okay. the 70s. All right. Now, keep in mind, members of the band went on to have hits with other groups. Right. Okay. Does that count? Yeah. Still, the band was actually a one-hit wonder, okay? And I'm thinking about actually several. I'm thinking about Bang a Gong by T-Rex. Well, they had more than one. They had more than one. No, no. T-Rex only had one hit. Are you sure? I'm positive. Okay. One-hit wonder. Spirit in the Sky, Norman Greenbaum. Oh, you took mine. All Right Now by Free. Oh, they had hits. No, no. Paul Rogers went on. Simon Kirk, you know, they had Bad Company and they had multiple hits with Bad Company. But the band Free that Paul Rogers started in 1970, they only have one hit. Who who did All I Feel Like Making Love? That's Bad Company. That's not Free. I know, but that doesn't count. We're talking about people that you never heard from again. And we heard from Paul Rogers a lot of stuff. And we heard from T-Rex a lot of stuff. Here's a band for you from the 90s. And I love these guys because I worked with them when I was in the music industry. The Rembrandts. First off, the song, the theme from Friends, you know. Yeah. I'll Be There For You. You know that song, right? Yeah. Okay. That wasn't actually a radio hit. But they did have one radio hit. And it was called That's Just The Way It Is, Baby. 
You remember that song? Yeah. That's just the way it is, baby. I love that song. That was one of the great 90s one-hit wonders. Uh, and, you know, every decade, okay, what about the 80s? What about the 80s? That was hair bands. I didn't like the 80s. Well, no, they weren't just <laughs> hair bands. Come on. What about that artist, Howard Jones, Things Can Only Get Better? Didn't he do that duck song? Every decade had great one-hit wonders. Didn't Howard Jones do the duck? The duck. That's how I remember Howard Jones. But, you know, this is a little fun fact. This is what we both picked uh, Spirit in the Sky, so we got to go with that as the best. But do you know that Norman Greenbaum never had to work another day in his life because of that song? Yeah, but he never got rich. I don't know about getting rich, but he got so many royalties because you don't know how many movies and TV shows use that song. Or, Or commercials. Or commercials, right. Oh. Yeah, could, he did okay. I wish I could write a song. Why can't you write a song? I could write a song. That's where the money is, baby. These guys are just sitting back Publishing. Collecting. That's right. Yeah, guys, but Norman Greenbaum was a songwriter too, I think, right? Was he? Yeah. So he probably made some money publishing, right? All right. So but He had hits for other people. There was another song that I think that if you go back in the archives, it was a one-hit wonder. I don't know who did it. Do you remember this one? Ting Tang, Walla Walla Bing Bang. Oh, man. You are so freaking old. It's unbelievable. <laughs> no, I'm just talking. <laughs> All right, forget that. Tom and Mike. Are you man enough to tell me the dumbest thing you've ever done? I am. All right, let me hear it. You ready? Yep. Maybe I told you this story. Um, is it something to do with a woman? It is. Yes. Go ahead. So we had this lady. Her name was Laura. She came up every year to our home to put up Christmas decorations, right? <laughs> Well, you know, she would put up at Halloween, you know, like in October, she would put up Halloween decorations. And then in early December, she put up the Christmas decorations. Right. Because, you know, it's back when Karen was having babies and, you know, she was having babies too, this woman, Laura. So I see her at right before Halloween and, you know, she's plump. She's ready to have this baby. And I'm like, boy, you know, after she left, I told Karen, She's going to have that baby any day now. Right. So she comes back in December, and she's still plump. And I said, Laura, when are you going to have that baby? <laughs> she said, I had that baby six weeks ago. Oh, brother. So that was, uh, no, that was, that was pretty pretty dumb. Pretty I was dumb. Emba- yeah, I, was emba- I could write a book on the dumbest things I've ever done. You mean what? That was more embarrassing than dumb. That was that- dumb. Believe me, That buddy. was dumb. That was really dumb. Well, so what about you? Oh, I could top that by tenfold. I told you this, I think. When I was in my mid to late 20s, I was a freelance writer and I was trying to get a job. And I read in the paper one day, this production company, a big one in Philadelphia, was was uh, looking for a writer. I got my little portfolio together, which didn't consist of much. I went down there, got a coat and tie, took the train down, walked into this guy's office. Big, big place. People all around the place. It's run by a father and two of his sons. So I was being interviewed by one of the sons. We go through the interview, looks up my, my portfolio, closes the book, and says, okay, I like some of the stuff. He says, look, to speed things up, how about uh, be willing to take a physical? I said, sure, you know, I don't care. So this guy, again, I'm six feet tall, 190 pounds. This guy was probably 5'4", a beard, glasses. Let's get a physical. So I get up, he gets up, and we walk down the hall. Again, there's people all around. We walk into another office, and there it looks like a doctor's office. Got the table and the 
stethoscope and a cabinet and all that kind of stuff. He takes off his sports jacket and puts on a, a doctor schmuck. What do you call those things? A doctor schmuck. <laughs> a lab coat. A what do you schmuck, call not a schmuck. <laughs> so he puts that on. And I remember looking at him and I saying, boy, you wear a lot of hats, don't you? He says, yeah, I do. So within like five minutes, I have my shirt off and he's listening to my heart, just the way the doctor does, tapping my thing. And then, you know, I played a lot of high school sports and I remember having to drop my pants and had to do the cough thing. He had me do that, put the pants back right up, all that. Uh, all very businesslike. I didn't think anything of it. <laughs> he shakes my hand. We'll be in contact. I get out. I walk about 10 steps and I say, what the hell did I just do? And I wasn't embarrassed at that time. I was so just taken back what I did. I remember calling my mother on the, on the phone and she's saying, what the hell's wrong with my son? What did I raise, you idiot? So that was the dumbest thing I ever did. Have you seen this Sasha Baron Cohen show, Who is America? Have yes. you seen that? Yes. It's amazing what he can get people to go along with. Right. <laughs> you know, because they think it's just all part of the program. Right. You know, you get people in a certain mindset like well, you were, well, and they'll it. go along. They'll go along with anything. Right. I needed a job, and I was susceptible. And again, this guy posed no physical threat to me, and everything was done so quickly and so businesslike. And just to put a button on this story, about six months later, I was at this grand opening of some chain restaurant, and I'm at this big party, and it's all kinds of people. And I'm introduced to this guy, and he's just like me. He's a freelance writer trying to make it in the advertising agencies and stuff, writing copy. And I'm telling the same exact story. As I'm telling him that story, his eyes are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then as I'm done, the story pulls me closer to him so no one can hear. And he says, that exact same thing happened to me with the same guy. So we both concluded that this guy probably had some kind of camera in his office and just got off one having young men come into his office, pretend he's getting a job and take their clothes off. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah. That was the dumbest thing I did ever did. Did you feel violated? Not really, because again, I was never, I don't know. I felt stupid. That's, that's why I top yours, buddy. I was dumb. Okay. You win. You're the dumbest. Tom and Mike.